Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to episode 51 of Under Further Review with Burke and Jen. I'm Burke. I'm Jen. And it's been a while. We're, uh, I don't know where our summer went. I guess we accidentally went on summer hiatus, and we didn't tell anyone, <laughs> including ourselves, because didn't notice that we hadn't recorded anything in like a month and a half. Like almost two months. Almost two months, yeah. Almost two months. Um, so thanks for people who are tuning back into us. Um, we have some, it's been a lot going on. I think we have some pretty good stories to cover. Um, I guess it depends on how you define good. Uh, <laughs> but we uh, have some topics, mostly sports-related. But the first one that we will dive into is um, recent developments with respect to um, Asia Argento, which I think is how her name is pronounced. I'm not sure. Maybe it's just Asia and I'm being pretentious. But uh, I actually hadn't really thought of that. I've always just called her Asia Argento. Maybe because I'm Asian, but <laughs> I don't know. It's my own prejudices there. Could be. Anyway, Ms. Argento, um, who came to, she is, a, I think, a particularly well-known actress and director in her native Italy, mm-hmm. um, recently came to attention in uh, the American public by being one of the first um, and most vocal accusers of Harvey Weinstein. Um, also, I think she... Uh, got some attention based on her relation her romantic relationship with the late Anthony Bourdain um she so to take a step back she had uh disclosed to Ronan Farrow in an article that appeared in the New Yorker that she was raped by Harvey Weinstein um they continued a relationship over many years nonetheless um while she was a, it was kind of a complicated story but she um gave a speech at Con film festival um, about how basically there were coming for all of the uh, bad actors in the, and I don't mean like actors as in movies, all the the bad people in the film industry who have preyed on um, particularly young women. Anyway, the reason she's back in the news is that uh, turns out she may have been a predator herself. Um, She the news reports that came out um, earlier this week, I believe it was first uh, reported in the New York Times, were that Ms. Argento um, settled a claim of sexual assault with a young man by the name of Jimmy Bennett, who had starred as her son in the film, I believe it's called The Heart is Deceitful Above All Things. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he cl- claimed that she sexually assaulted um, and raped him in a hotel room when he was like 17 in California. The age of majority in California or the age of consent is 18. Um, so he filed a lawsuit against her. She paid him a little less than $400,000 to settle the action. Um, somehow the news of this settlement got reported, got disclosed to the New York Times. Um, and Ms. Argento, her initial statement, was not great she basically said anthony bourdain paid him all this money and i didn't do anything wrong which is weird since he's no longer here to defend himself although it may have been a true statement who knows yeah i thought the gist of the statement was regardless of whether you did anything or not the fact that this is going to be a long and drawn out and ugly process right we will just pay him some amount of money to go away Mm -hmm. and you won't have to deal with it anymore right right? because she she has denied ever engaging in any kind of improper relationship with or i shouldn't call it a relationship but she denied doing anything wrong um, except, yeah, except a series of text messages were leaked to TMZ um, that seemed to conf- 
confirm that something happened between Jimmy Bennett and Ozzy Argento before he turned 18. Yes. Um, And I think that the tone of the text messages were that he was the aggressor in the situation um, and that she didn't really know what to do. And then she didn't realize that he was only 17 at the time. Which, if that were a man making that excuse, I would be... Our eyes would be rolling. (laughs) ...really horrified, so I'm trying to apply that same reaction to her. Um, But, yeah, that did seem to be part of the the breakdown in, I guess, their back and forth. Um, Well, I think that... I think that the lines get blurrier if you're 17 or 18. I mean, how are you supposed to know? At the time, she was 35, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we talk about, like, statutory rape, and I'm not saying that anyone was raped in the situation or not raped in the situation. That's just what it's called. Um, it doesn't matter whether you knew or didn't know that exactly. the individual was not of the age of consent. It's, like, a strict liability crime. Like, yes. if they are under 16 but they look like they were 35, it doesn't matter the fact that they were not the you know under the age of consent and so you don't get to say but but they showed me id that said that they were you know 25 or whatever and or they i met her in a bar or met him in a bar and they were drinking so i assumed that they were over 20 like none of that matters does not no and i it does seem like um because this has come up i feel like there have been other cases talking about statutory rape it seems like 18 is on the i mean obviously because anyone 18 has to be the maximum for the Mm -hmm. um age of consent but um i think in other states it's set at a lower age so um i think in michigan it's 16 and other states it's 17 yeah yeah um which again ignorance of the law is not a defense so just because even if ozzy argento knew he was not 18, um, but maybe thought that that didn't matter in California. That wouldn't help her. Mm-hmm. Um, there, so in sort of developments, um, there has been some discussion as to whether or not she would be brought up on criminal charges. I think there was an interview with Jimmy Bennett saying that he had no interest in pursuing criminal charges against her. Mm-hmm. Um, and in talking to, or not, I wasn't talking to, but anyone, but uh, journalists talking to lawyers who would set, who have said, you know, the statute of limitations has run for a criminal prosecution if there wasn't uh, evidence or any indication of, like, a forcible crime. Oh, okay. Yeah. I would have thought, I didn't realize there was a different statute of limitations for statutory rape versus yeah, so, any other form. So misdemeanor is a year, a felony mm-hmm. would be three years, unless evidence or Jimmy Bennett came forward and said that he was, like, forcibly, you know... Assaulted. Assaulted. Or or vice versa. Yeah. Um, interesting. I think that I kind of aside from the potential criminal aspect of this, it does seem like there are a lot of people who are asking whether this impacts, has a negative impact on the Me Too movement. Yes, my only thought is it's a small-minded person who can't accept that two things can be true at the same time, that she was a victim and also a victimizer, mm-hmm. um, which not that I know anything about being a victim of abuse but my understanding is that uh as if you are a sufferer of abuse it is not a big leap to then um engaging in abuse of other people yes because um like i think the theory goes that like you feel very vulnerable and very helpless in one situation and you assert whatever like authority or strength you have in other situations so it's um it's not uncommon people 
who have been uh, physically abused or verbally abused as children end up uh, being abusive to their own children or people in their lives because as you said it's not it's not a huge leap to make but I just I don't understand and I think this is more of a societal issue where you can only come at a you can only come at something if you are if you have a pristine background right you have to be like, a perfect victim yeah I just like people we all live in glass houses sorry yeah and I heard an interesting conversation on another podcast um this week because I was spent about 15 hours in my car over the course of three days um talking about how like back in the day and this still happens with lawsuits like you pick the best victim you pick your Mm -hmm. model which sounds terrible but like you pick your model person to stand up and say like you know be the face of an issue so I because our education system is suboptimal and I unfortunately didn't sorry that's Pod mascot Rufio is barking at some treats right now, so please uh, don't pay attention to him. Um, but my own ignorance, I did not realize there were, like, multiple other women who protested the uh, their treatment on buses during the civil rights era uh, prior to Rosa, Rosa Parks. Parks. But Rosa Parks had a, as you put it, pristine background, and so she was held up as sort of the model um, and the leader um, of the Montgomery bus boycott because that was somebody who couldn't really be attacked by the public for I guess things that went on in her personal life um and with the I guess the advent of social media and the way that our society works now you don't have that opportunity to say like ooh, like Rose McGowan is a troubled person Ozzie Argento might have all this other shit going on in mm-hmm. her life like they shouldn't be the kind of faces of this movement let's find someone who is better yeah or I'm I mean or it's just a terrible way to put it, but like less, less vulnerable to attack. <laughs> yeah, has less baggage in the rest of their life, I guess. Um, and so here we are. But I, I don't. I th- but part it, of me thinks that like no one is perfect. It's just you maybe imperfect in less public ways. Yeah. And so, but just because she might have done a bad thing doesn't mean that harassers and assaulters get a free pass like no and it doesn't mean she just you know she deserved what happened to her from harvey weinstein because she did something terrible to somebody else um and none of this has been proven in a court of law and it is quite quite common to settle lawsuits to make them go away Mm -hmm. even if you uh, don't believe yourself to be guilty so please don't take our commentary on this as assuming guilt or you know necessarily not believing jimmy bennett um but it's Yeah, it's just a really tough situation all around. It is a real noisy day today. <laughs> I hope um, at least it's not the dog's heavy breathing in That's your ears. True. But um, this is city life, folks. So, uh, <laughs> And if you can't hear that, although I'm sure you can, it's just a car alarm going off in the background. Um, so that's, yeah, uh, Ms. Argento and the um, what's been happening with her in the last couple of days. Yeah, she's had a bad year. Yeah, really. She was blamed for Tony Bourdain's suicide. suicide yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's Ugh. just, it's pretty rough. Yeah. Um, uh, doesn't excuse her alleged abuse of Jimmy Bennett, but yeah, hopefully mm-hmm. she will, hopefully all of the parties involved will find peace at some point. Yes. Um... Um, so that, I think, was our only kind of big story uh, that was celebrity-related. The rest of our um, hot topics for the day are all all come from the world of football. 
Or somewhat unsurprisingly, I feel like that's uh, that's that's often the where case our, where our conversations end up. Well, and I guess it's good timing because it is the start of uh, college and uh, pro football. Indeed, it is. Yes. Not that any of these people, like well, at least some of these people, no longer play football. Um, but yeah, it, the timing is 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 quite coincidental. So I guess the. The biggest of the stories would be um, the three-game suspension uh, that Urban Meyer received for, I guess, not sufficiently acting uh, in a managerial way by reporting or being responsible for reporting um, what his wide receivers coach had been up to. So moving backwards, um, Zachary Smith was a wide receivers coach under Urban Meyer, uh, both at Florida and at the Ohio State University. And he had been arrested multiple times for physically assaulting his wife, starting in like 2009, um, episodes in 2015 as well as more recently. They're separated now, or at least divorced now. And this all sort of started in uh, late July during uh, Big Ten Media Day, mm-hmm. where a reporter asked Urban Meyer about whether or not he knew of like the 2015 incident with Mr. Smith. And Meyer basically said no, that he didn't know about it. Like he made a reference to something that happened in 2009. So the next day, the reporter like posted, I think, on his Facebook page. Uh, you know, an article about how uh, Courtney Smith, Zachary Smith's wife, um, had talked to Shelly Meyer, Urban Meyer's wife, about the, you know, the long history of abuse at the hands of her husband and, like, texted her pictures of, like, bruises and other injuries she received. Um, so there was a lot of, you know, did Urban Meyer know? Did he not know? How, when did he know? And uh, then, he, then Urban Meyer came out and made a statement, something to the effect of, like, every time I've always been, like, the stand-up guy, every time I've been aware of something, I've always reported it up the chain, blah, blah, blah. So uh, the Ohio State University did an investigation, hired an outside law firm to do an investigation, which, just note to the NFL, was completed in two weeks. <laughs> yeah, it's not that... <laughs> no. I mean, some... Uh, Investigations can be complicated and take a while, but no, it shouldn't take you a year. No, two weeks is pretty fast. I do applaud the yeah. outside law firm for doing it so quickly, but no, it only took two weeks. And uh, so the results of the, um, I didn't read the whole report because I didn't have time, um, but the, I believe the, the outcome was that he t- failed to take sufficient action related to the misconduct. And, um, and so he was suspended for three whole games. Yeah, and then he gave a really terrible press conference um, in which he apologized. Let's go through this. I want to apologize to Buckeye Nation. I followed my heart and not my head. I fell short in pursuing full information because at each juncture I gave Zach Smith the benefit of the doubt. As I reflect my loyalty to his grandfather, Earl Bruce, who is my mentor and like a father to me, likely impacted how I treated Zach over the years. I did not know everything about Zach Smith which was what Zach Smith was doing. And I'm pleased that the report makes this very clear. So there's a woman who was the wife of your mentee who was fucking terrorized for years. And your wife knew about it because we've seen the text messages. Your wife knew about it three years ago and did apparently nothing. 
except maybe told you and then you did nothing. And that's the apology you come up with? Fuck you, Urban Meyer. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Um, yeah, the the report was interesting in that it that they said that he was misleading, but he didn't deliberately lie. How is that? Yeah, that feels just, like splitting hairs. Yes, yeah, that's really fine parsing of whatever his statement was. I mean, to be honest, he has no obligation to tell the truth at media day. Like, no, he's just talking to a bunch of journalists, and he skirted the issue, and he did a really bad job of it. Yeah. Right, so that's fine. It's just whether or not. Um, and I, I think it really goes to whether or not Shelley Meyer, who's also an employee of the Ohio State University, and Urban Meyer had reporting obligations under Title IX. And I've been thinking about this a lot. So maybe we'll just work through this on the podcast. Sure. So you have an employee who is not engaging in misconduct at work. Right. He's engaging in misconduct at home, presumably with nobody who is also an employee of the employer, right? He's, sure. He, in this situation, we'll just go with he, is, you know, in this situation, beating his spouse, but it could be any kind of misconduct. Like, what as a, what responsibilities as a boss do you have in that situation? Because this is presumably off-duty conduct, Mm -hmm. and how much are you supposed to insert yourself into the private lives of your employees? I understand that the Ohio State situation is completely different in that it is a very public um, sort of, you know, it is the college football team. It is, you know, very, very much in the forefront of... You know, being on TV every Saturday, Urban Meyer likes to hold his program out as this, like, paragon of virtue, which is, like, such bullshit. But, like, he wants to be the molder of young men, blah, blah, blah. So very bad at that. Yes. So he seems to have taken on this, like, I'm holding myself and my behavior to a higher standard. So I get that part. But, like, in an ordinary situation, for you and me, like, if we know this is happening, how much how much do we have to get involved in this? Yeah, I guess it's a question of have to versus want want to is a weird way to put it, but, like, I don't know that I would want to be an employer of or employed with someone that I knew was a domestic abuser, and I don't know that they've got any employ. Well, I guess that's a question. It depends on who their employer is, if they have any right to keep their employ like... Being a domestic abuser is not a protected status. If you're an at-will employee, no. presumably you can get fired for mm-hmm. it. Um, it's a little different. I mean, I know issues in California, public sector. It's probably a little bit different in Ohio. Um, but I would think here, if you're talking about a public sector employee, you couldn't just can them. No. That would be considered... Pro- I mean, I guess there's, it might depend on their job. I would think that there are like law enforcement officers who, if they are actively breaking the law, yeah, you but, might be able to take discipline against them. Yeah, that's different, though, because they are actively breaking the law, and they're supposed to be charged with enforcing the law, but I'm thinking of... Someone who works in, like, a finance department or someone who... Like, if someone worked in finance department and was embezzling money, yes, that actually goes to that person's job. But, like, we're talking about uh, maybe a maintenance worker who isn't domestically, you know, engaged in domestic violence, but is... Engaged in some other criminal conduct. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it... 
Well, two thoughts I'm having. One, probably depends on how their discipline processes or their contract is drafted. I've seen some that are very specific when they talk about misconduct, that if it's, you, you know, committed a crime, it needs to be somehow related or to or within the scope of your job. So, like, if you get arrested for reckless driving, but, mm-hmm. you know, to your point, you're like a front desk person who's yeah. driving the course of your job, it would mm-hmm. be unrelated. But there are some that are drafted broadly enough that at least under the, la- like, the on its face, the language would allow you to discipline up to and including termination for engaging mm-hmm. in criminal conduct even outside of the workplace. I would venture to guess that if pushed on that, a court or an administrative body might say if there's too tangential a relationship between the crime and your job, mm-hmm. it can't be used. That language, that discipline language can't be used to fire someone for any criminal act. Um, and a lot, sometimes they'll be limited to felonies too. Yeah. Um, like serious criminal activity. So to that end, and uh, Smith was never convicted of any of these charges. He was arrested multiple times. And I think that the only reason why Urban Meyer finally fired him the day before the Big Ten. Because of the public shaming probably? (laughs) No, because at that point, I'm sure not that many people knew about it. But they, she had she a TRO. Yeah, she had a TRO. Yeah. So I think once that became public, he probably was like, "I'm just going to get ahead of it and fire him now." When I do, I would think. I mean, I I would submit that Urban Meyer's view of himself as a molder of young men is complete bullshit. He's here oh, to be a football yeah. coach and to make money for his university and to win games. He does not give a good goddamn about these kids unless they are young men. Um, except to the extent they win football games for him. But I do think there's an argument to say, like, this is clearly a troubled person who probably should not be around Mm -hmm. arguably, like, impressionable young people, um, and this is not the right job for him, and we don't want him here. Yeah, well, so, okay, I get all of that, and I, I agree with you. But this guy's been doing it since 2009. Well, It's taken to 2018 to get him fired. His Urban Meyer's record on being a molder of young men is deplorable. Yeah. I mean, he I don't know how many players at Florida and at Ohio State have gotten into legal trouble. I don't think any of them graduate. Yeah. Um, is... Yeah. So it's so Michael McCann, of course, had a very lengthy article on SI about like you know, oh Ohio State really didn't have to punish or discipline or terminate Urban Meyer. Yeah. I mean, they chose to. The problem that I have with it is that the the hypocrisy of Ohio State, who got rid of Jim Trestle and a few other yeah. football coaches for NCAA violations, which are serious, but this is but what Urban Meyer did is a whole different level of seriousness. And he got yeah. three games, and Jim Trestle didn't love the man in his vest, but he lost his job over was it selling shoes or tattoos or something? I mean, I it was think like so Jim O'Brien, yeah. who was the basketball coach, who I have a soft spot in my heart for because he used to coach BC. Um, he got fired for relatively minor NCAA violations that my recollection of what they are escaping me right now. I think he, like, made too many phone calls to a recruit or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, it's a violation of the NCAA rules, but ultimately, I think Ohio State simply cares about winning. And yeah. Which, I, you know, this all goes to the fallacy that the NCAA is a bunch of amateurs who, um, I'm, you know, in these big sports. Yes. Basketball, football. Like I mean, it's, yes, those two sports, that's, yeah, that's where they've fallen short. Um, you know, the idea that this is just a bunch of amateurs and we're not doing this for the money. 
Dear God, I don't know why there is so much traffic outside my apartment and it's being so loud today. So sorry, listeners. Um, uh, but yeah, it did seem like um, Jim Trestle, Jim O'Brien, there was another one of their football coaches where it mm-hmm. felt like they used the NCAA violations as an excuse to get rid of these people because mm-hmm. they weren't winning games anymore. Yeah. And as long as Meyer wins for them, that's all they care about, which on the one hand... I feel like that can't be okay when you're talking about an uh, educational institution. On the flip side, um, I, I, I don't buy into the bullshit that like NCAA football and basketball are really amateur sports. Oh, I think no. these kids should get paid. Um, and I am general, I realize they are technically adults, but they're in college. Uh, their brains are not fully formed. They still refer to them as kids. Um, and uh, where was I going with this? that they should just own, like OSU should just own it and say like yeah we kind of don't give a shit like he wins games for us and mm-hmm. makes a lot of money and it helps fund all these other programs that don't make money for us so yeah he might not be the best person he has made some obviously bad decisions but whatever yeah but I don't know that you can I don't know I feel like maybe you can't do that when you're dealing with young people in an educational environment I like don't, that can't be the answer I don't think you can do that when you're as high profile as like a university for college football like Ohio State. I mean, if this were like a tiny school somewhere, no one would care and they would yeah. probably just have kept that professor or that coach on because honestly, I'm just so the way that the OSU like um harassment policy is written, it's really very expansive, which is why I think that this sort of gets why the Courtney Smith situation gets hooked into it because ordinarily any employment policy dealing with harassment or discrimination, which arguably this is, you know, the domestic abuse kind of would fall under, doesn't cover, like, spouses of employees. Right. Like, they're not, yeah, your employees are covered, your volunteers are covered, you're protected by people who come onto your business, but this is not one that would necessarily, like, just automatically apply in that situation where Zach Smith could potentially, you know, be disciplined or found um have violated that particular policy. It's right, not because I don't think there's any evidence. I mean, maybe if like they're living in university housing. Yeah, I mean that's um or which I don't know that they were. Um but yeah, it does seem like it's more of a que- it's not not a clear-cut question of he did X in his personal life, so we're going to fire him, but more a question of is this really the type of person we want representing yeah, our school? Yeah, exactly. And, and it's fair to say no. Molding of the minds of young men. Um, yeah, it's very troubling. I will say to uh, complete the record, Urban Meyer uh, received the feedback of people who did not think that his apology or his press conference went particularly well and issued a uh, iPhone notes apology, <laughs> which is gross, but. Uh, I guess uh, baby steps in his like development as a human um, saying that he you know apologized to Courtney Smith he clearly fell down on the job so to speak um, Mm -hmm. in terms of the standards he sets for himself and he completely rejects uh, domestic violence that he was raised in a home where he knew if he ever laid a hand on a woman he'd be thrown out and asked to never come back swear to god if I hear the phrase I was raised by strong women I am going to he did not say that he (laughs) just said he was raised in a house where uh, put it, laying hands on a woman was unacceptable and he would have been thrown out and told to never come back again if he had done that. Um, it just seems like I think that's all bullshit. I need to see his like actions speak louder than words. Yeah. Urban. And you've consistently, other than Tim Tebow, who 
I still think there's something. He's not as, as pure as the driven snow as he would like us all to believe. Um, he's the only, like, good egg you hear about. Now, fair enough, just might not be publicized. He may have a lot of wonderful people who've played under him that are just not famous, but yeah, it does exactly. seem they like found, like, the best yeah. players who have come out of his programs, there's there's something deeply troubled with a lot of them. Mm-hmm. So. Should we talk about one of them? Yes, I guess that's a fair segue into, um, man, Aaron Hernandez from the grave keeps giving us great stories. He wants our podcast to continue. R.I.P. Podfather. (laughs) Um, So, Aaron Hernandez's attorney has written a book. Yeah, Jose Baez, who represented Aaron Hernandez in the double murder um, that brought us together. (laughs) Yes. Would the, we even be friends if it weren't for Arianna's problem? I would hope so. I mean, we do, we do work together. Um, yeah, the double murder trial of... Uh, I can't even remember their names anymore. It's been so long. Well, no. It was the tr- Odin Lloyd trial was really what first... Oh, really? Yeah, because he was tried for the Odin Lloyd murder before he was tried for yeah. the murder of the two Cape Verdean individuals in so, Boston. The Odin Lloyd trial, what year was that? 2013. Oh, okay. Oh, I wasn't at the firm in 2013. Oh. So I think it was the double murder trial. Maybe it was the double murder trial. All right, well, Jose Baez represented him in the... No, he was represented by that old white guy in the um, Odin Lloyd okay. murder. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Stroll down memory lane there. Um, yeah. Yes, yeah, so Jose Baez represented him. It, what is, Daniel, one of them was named Daniel to something. I'm just going to be offensive now, so I'm going to stop trying to guess these people's um, names. So he you talk written, and I'll look them up. <laughs> so he has written a book, and in this book, he has basically unloaded a bunch of like really super salacious stories. The one that's most recently in the news is a story that Aaron Hernandez sold his jersey number to Chad Oshosinko, Chad Johnson, for a sum of $50,000. And Aaron Hernandez took that money to basically float a drug deal in which he made $70,000 from. Um, that There's just so much to unpack there, but that's just one of the stories. I think the most interesting thing for me, at least in what has been revealed to be included in the Baez book, uh, can you look also up the name of the book because it's kind of funny as well? Sure. Uh, is that he reveals the contents of the three suicide notes that... Aaron Hernandez left for his daughter, um, his wife, Cheyenne, and Jose Baez himself, his lawyer. Yes. So the names of the two men who were killed are, um, oh, shit, Safiro Furtado and Daniel De Abreu. Yeah, Furtado. Daniel De something. I was right. Um, not to disrespect those two men who, unfortunately, there has been no justice for them since mm-hmm. Aaron Hernandez was found not guilty I'm so very unclear as to how that happened. Um, I guess they probably... Well, was the issue... I'm sorry, this is a lot of, like, in <laughs> externalizing my internal monologue on the on the podcast. Was the issue that there was a reasonable doubt because it could have been Alexander Bradley who was the shooter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Alexander Bradley, as you may remember, is Aaron Hernandez's former best friend who he allegedly he shot, shot in, in the, the eyeball. In the face. And he lost an eye. Fucking survived, which is crazy. Um, although I feel like I've, I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts, and more often than you would imagine, people get shot in the head and they live. Yes. Which is wild to me. Um, anyway, so those are the names of the two men who were who were killed, um, and Aaron Hernandez was uh, acquitted of their murder. 
presumably because it's unclear if he actually they had videotape of both him and Bradley in the car in the car yeah but, so there, um, couldn't so pinpoint who there was reasonable doubt about whether or not he was the the person who pulled the trigger um so yeah he was acquitted of those two murders but he was still in prison uh serving a life sentence for the Odin Lloyd murder right um but it was just days after his acquittal that yes. he uh was found hanged in his cell and had three notes left. One, I said, for his daughter, one for his wife, and then one for his lawyer. The contents of the one for his lawyer was kind of weird. He wanted his lawyer to reach out to um, the uh, artists like Meek Mill and Jay-Z to let them know like how much their music meant to him, um, which is kind of a strange last request. But, you know, music plays a huge role in all of our lives. So maybe that really helped him get through some really hard times. Um, Lord knows the last couple of years of his life haven't been easy. Um, the one to his daughter was, I thought the thing that was really odd about both of those notes, especially the one to his daughter, was like the weird biblical tone to it. Yeah, didn't he have Bible verses tattooed on him? I think so. And I think, well, and then in the note to Cheyenne, there was a reference to John 3.16. Um, but he wanted her to be happy how they were like soulmates and how they were basically at some point in some point in time there were two one soul and they split apart as two humans and they were able to find each other and like come back and just crush it here on earth um um and they so shanna and jose baez his book is called unnecessary roughness that's what i thought okay. it just seems tacky um were interviewed on Nightline, which I'm not entirely sure I realized was still on TV. It's ABC's nighttime news show. And uh, um, Shanna said that she, after reading these letters, she thinks that he didn't understand the extent of how sick he was. Um, which, as people who listen to the pod um, or who read sports news would be aware, it was discovered that Aaron Hernandez suffered from pretty severe CTE mm-hmm. at the time of his death. He was 27 years old. And I think he had the brain of like a 72-year-old or something. I don't think I'm just flipping those numbers. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's accurate. Um, and, uh, yeah, Hernandez wrote in his letter to Aviel, I'm entering into the timeless realm in which I can enter into any form at any time because everything that could happen or not happened period. I see all at once. And so, um, uh, Shanna Jenkins Hernandez said that she thinks he's trying to tell Aviel that he's around at any time when she needs him, no Mm -hmm. matter how she's feeling. But then she says, it strikes me as not normal. So something was affecting him at the time where it's kind of more or less like he made his decision, but I just don't know if he knew what was going on, which is really sad, sad that his brain was rotting and uh he didn't know what was happening to him mm-hmm. doesn't excuse the fact that he probably murdered three people <laughs> although his attorney says he has he has uh he does not believe genuinely does not believe that Aaron hernandez killed daniel de abreu and safira Furtado, and has significant doubts that he killed odin lloyd oh um making the point i guess but i don't remember that this is to be true that Aaron Hernandez was convicted on a joint venture theory of the murder of Odin Lloyd. They couldn't pinpoint who actually oh, murdered actually him. Murdered. So they just convicted. They went after him and the oh. other people who were allegedly in the car. But Baez doesn't say, he doesn't go so far as to say like he had nothing to do with it. No, right. he just <laughs> says, let's see. 
He just says, I know beyond any doubt based on what I've seen that Aaron did not commit the two Boston murders um, of Dave Brayu and Furtado. I didn't represent him in the Odin Lloyd case, but after reviewing the evidence and seeing what I've seen, I have a reasonable doubt that he committed that crime. I think when you hang around the kind of characters that he was hanging around, you, there's an ellipses, um, expose yourself to that type of activity. When your close friend is a drug kingpin who is involved in multiple shootings, you're going to have problems. Is that Bradley? Maybe he does not strike me as somebody who would be a drug a kingpin, a kingpin of anything. Exactly. But maybe because I didn't know about him until after he had been shot in the face, and so that gives a different. Oh. He looks weak. Then I guess that's a horrible thing to say. He survived being shot in the face. He did, which you know what Fifty Cent got stabbed nine times or something, and he lived to tell the tale. Yeah. Also, not a great human, <laughs> but that's outside the scope of this podcast. Um, but yeah, so this. Question for you. Now, yeah, I know yeah. we don't represent high-profile people in this situation, but, like, as a lawyer, it strikes me as very inappropriate that he is I writing a too. book with all this information in it. And I, I Like, I, I know Aaron Hernandez is dead, and... Yeah, so the... When does the... I mean... When does the privilege die? Uh, yeah, I've never... Most of my clients have never been human beings. They're, like, entities, <laughs> yeah. so I've never had to really worry about that issue. Um, the privilege never dies, but... So, I hate to say this, but I have seen episodes of Law and Order where they bust into a lawyer's office or a psychiatrist's office and demand, like, records and things, and the lawyer's like, no, I have attorney-client privilege, or the psychiatrist is like, patient-doctor privilege, and they're like, they're dead. (laughs) Like, it ends. And so, I'm not saying that I'm learning the actual law from Law and Order. I'm actually kind of saying that. But I'm assuming that if they're not lying on the TV show, that it ends when you die. I guess. Or they're just bad cops, except for Lenny Briscoe, who would never do anything wrong. <laughs> except he definitely was involved in some kind of police corruption, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's... Yeah, but... It seems kind of fucked up that you're making a profit over your dead client by disclosing, yeah. like, rather confidential information. Also seems weird to me that Shanna Jenkins would disclose... There's a copy of the letter on the ABC News website that he sent to his daughter and to her. Like, what are you doing, lady? Was that a joint press conference? They were both interviewed. It does not appear based on... I have not watched the video, but based on the photos in the article, it does not appear that they were together. So maybe she also consented to having this information disclosed. He he left her power of attorney, didn't he? So I do feel that it is pretty... It is kind of shady of him to go and say, like, to sort of air all of this dirty laundry about Aaron Hernandez to to make some money. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't feel great about it if he disclosed all of the stuff not to make any money either, but it just seems very untoward to me. Yeah, Yeah, this note is nuts. (laughs) Yes, it's very nuts. He also is writing, not in English, towards the end, but I can't tell what language it is. Is it, oh, was it, wasn't the you slash me, me slash you thing? No, it's Anouk... Alsar, quote, unquote, may to netter? Huh. I don't know what's happening. Yeah, so I think... also has the handwriting of a teenage girl, but that's another... Yeah, that I thought was really weird. Like Lots of exclamation points. <laughs> yeah, I was Very really... aggressive telling his daughter to love him forever and ever. I, I was really surprised by his handwriting, but... Um, yeah, so Aaron Hernandez continues to... Provide us with lots of content. He does. Thank you, Podfather. Thanks, Podfather. Hope you're hope you're doing okay wherever <laughs> you are. 
So our last football story is about um, sort of a frequent flyer with us. Another Re- person <laughs> probably is suffering from severe brain damage. Yes. <laughs> uh, Richie Incognito, who is a retired uh, lineman. I think he was last playing for the Bills. Yes, that sounds right. Uh, he came into our national consciousness uh, many years ago when he was with the Dolphins, and he was accused of bullying and harassing a fellow teammate. Um, who since seems to have had a mental breakdown and threatened to shoot up his former high school, even though he's in his 30s. Yeah. Jonathan Martin. Mm-hmm. Um, so back to Richie. Yes. <laughs> so in May of this year, he was arrested when he threw a dumbbell and a tennis ball at a man who was uh, at the gym with uh, Richie Incognito. I don't know what provoked the dumbbell tennis ball. <laughs> nothing frankly (laughs) so um he was arrested then so in this last week he uh the incognitos buried uh richie's father um in scottsdale arizona i believe and richie incognito proceeded to like flip out at the funeral home yeah so at first he um insisted that he apparently the agreement was he was going to be um the dad was going to be cremated richie Changed his mind, disagreed, unclear, um, but showed up at the funeral home demanding that his father be decapitated. Can you decapitate somebody after they're dead or is there an implication that they're alive when it happens? I think there's an implication that they're alive when it happens. He wanted his father's head removed for research purposes. Um, Very unclear from the news reports what those research purposes were, if it was to see if he had CTE or, as Genevieve and I were speculating, that he could be frozen like Ted Williams um, and then be uh, reanimated. reanimated later on when they figured out how to like fix him. No one knows, but he wanted his dad's head cut off um, so that it could be used for something. When he was told that that couldn't happen, he started walking through the funeral home and punching caskets and throwing things around. Uh, then he eventually like calmed down, well calm down ish signed the papers about the cremation and then flipped out and said he wanted to have his father buried and wanted to look at casket options apparently this was a very traumatic incident for richie incognito because his dad's death was unexpected um then richie incognito started threatening people at the at the um funeral homes making finger gun motions but not in like the funny finger gun way like he was going to kill someone actually threatened to kill people said he had guns in his truck turns out he did he did he had a silencer two glock handguns three rifles and four magazines in his truck why do normal people need silencers like is he a fucking mob boss like or enforcer mob bosses probably don't kill people directly what is going on i don't know oh he is seriously disturbed um, his mugshot, this is classic. He's grinning like a crazy person. Yeah, I mean, he's smiling like this is a totally normal, okay thing. His dad's dead. He wants his head chopped off. And now he's in jail. Everything's yeah. fine. It was real weird. Um, yeah. and Pretty traumatizing for the people at the funeral home, it sounds like. Seems to. They really believed he was going to kill them. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, he's, a, he's still a pretty giant guy. Mm-hmm. And he, in fact, did have all those guns in his truck. So mm-hmm. this could have... The story, I mean, it's a, we're, I sound like I'm treating it flippantly, kind of, because I am, but uh, this could have ended oh, very a much badly. sadder story yeah. um, if the police hadn't been called, because um, I don't think, I mean, the cops removed him from the funeral home. He didn't just, like, leave on his own no, and they showed and up, the, right? No, the cops executed the search warrant on the truck. Um, so, yeah. And because they had a warrant, it wasn't part of the arrest. Ha. 
from law school. Look at you. <laughs> I know very little about criminal law except that I will not say anything but my name and I want my lawyer. So. <laughs> and you have to actively say that you are um, exercising your right to remain silent, which seems... Um, like counterintuitive exactly. because you're saying it out loud. You're saying it out loud, but I did read that um, earlier in the week. I don't oh. think I'd ever thought about it before since I've never been arrested. Again, not legal advice, knock just on life advice. <laughs> knock yes, on wood. knock on wood. I don't really want to be arrested. Um, but, oh, Richie Incognito is back on Twitter. His oh, latest okay. tweet was, What's good, Duke? Exclamation point, question mark. Um, and also says... Who's Duke? I don't know. Oh. Um, he also says, Our faith will guide us through this time. Thank you for all your calls and texts with your support. Love you guys. Little Richie. With Little a, Richie, sorry. Uh, smiley face emoticon, emoji with sunglasses and then linked to the website Jesus Calling. Hmm. Huh. Um, Richie Incognito needs help. Yeah, I think I... I'm not a medical professional, but it seems pretty clear yeah. to me this is not a well person. And, um, yeah, he could use some yeah. professional assistance. Because even if you are, like, emotionally distraught be- due to the death of a parent, you don't go around punching caskets. No. And, like, ordering people to chop your dad's head off. Yeah, I can tell you from experience that was not my... I mean, everyone's reaction to grief <laughs> is different. Is different. I sat on a couch for basically four weeks, just not super productive, but yeah, I didn't threaten to kill anybody or demand that my mom's head yeah. be chopped off so I could have use it for resources. <laughs> or reanimate her. Or reanimate, yeah, she's real pissed off about that, so um, I want to know what the research purposes are. Now, you thought you had read somewhere that yeah. his dad was in a job where he might have suffered head trauma? Yeah, so his dad was an airborne ranger um, way back in the day, so there was some like inference that maybe uh, working in that position or jumping out of planes, maybe hitting the ground a lot, I don't know, uh, caused a lot of concussions and potentially led to CTE. But I don't, I don't know what his father died of, so I can't speculate that it's... And I have to, I will also just want to note, it's unclear from the media reports... Some of them imply that Richie Incognito wanted to be the person to chop his own oh. father's head off. Oh. I but I'm not sure if that's just poor reporting. God, that's crazy. Um, I could so see him wanting to do that, though. Yeah. And I don't even know the man. Like, some stories say he wanted to cut his deceased father's head off, and then others are saying he wanted his deceased father's head cut oh. off. Which is a pretty important distinction. Yes. Just flipping those words, word orders around. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, hopefully Richie Incognito. Where is the rest of his family? I don't know. That's the other thing. Like, it seemed like he was there terrorizing the funeral home by himself. <laughs> and maybe they all were just like, wow, this, this cannot be our problem yeah, today. we're out. Um, but yeah, hopefully after all of this, he will get some professional assistance. Because he seems like a deeply troubled yes. person. Um, three minute warning. I just have two really quick things and then we can move on. So Hugo Lloris, who is the keeper for the Tottenham Hotspurs, my EPL team, uh, recently won the World Cup as part of the French national team, was arrested for drink driving on late Thursday night. The Spurs have said they are going, they take this matter very seriously and they're going to handle it internally. There was no, um... Of the articles I read, there was no indication of how drunk he was when he was arrested. It was like a routine uh, traffic stop in London uh, late Thursday night, early Friday morning. He has issued an apology 
apologizing wholeheartedly for his actions. He does not want to be this kind of role model, blah, blah, blah. Um, generally, I like him. He, I, he doesn't talk that much, at least from what I can remember watching like post-game interviews and things. He is the captain of the team. So, um, yeah, so he, so he will probably play on Monday, which is when their next match is. Um, for some reason, when you were talking about this before we started recording, I heard his name and thought Hugh Laurie oh. from House. <laughs> and so when you started talking about Tottenham Hotspurs, I'm like, what the hell is she <laughs> saying now? Um, makes more sense because yes. I thought Hugh Laurie probably lived in L.A. now. Yes. Um, uh, you don't Hugo. have drink driving in the no. United States. Hugo Lloris. Cool. Yeah. Well, that's unfortunate for him, but it, hopefully he has learned his lesson. Yes, hopefully so. Um and drink driving, it sounds so quaint, but it I know. could be <laughs> such an awful crime. Um, and then the other uh, story for our three-minute warning is uh, that there was a story that came out uh, last week, maybe, that Francis Ford Coppola sort of posited that Keanu Reeves and Winona Ryder could be married. I think this has come up because they're starring in a movie coming out in a couple of weeks called Destination Wedding. We're not sponsored by them, but just giving you information as to why this would possibly be in the news now. Uh, the story goes that uh, during the filming of Bram Stoker's Dracula, which is a terrible movie that I love, 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 sure. um, they had a scene where um, Mina Harker and Jonathan... What's his name in the... Oh... I, okay, so Winona Ryder's character and Keanu Reeves' character, get, they get married in a Greek Orthodox uh, ceremony. And I guess when they filmed it initially, according to Coppola, it wasn't realistic enough. So they actually had a Greek Orthodox um, clergyman marry them um, on a soundstage that looked like a church. And the ceremony that the clergyman actually did was the real ceremony for when you get married in the Greek Orthodox church. Um, so that's why he thinks that they're married, and Winona Ryder sort of confirmed that that was what happened. And I just I want Winona Ryder just wants to be married to Keanu Reeves, and I can't blame her for that. Really, I can't either. Uh, but I just wanted to note for our audience that, like, at least in the United States, like, marriage is really a construct of the state uh, because you have to get a license, and then you have to file your license with like your city or county that you live in. Um, so you can have a religious ceremony. And that counts for a lot for people who are religious, but in so far as like being legally married, you have to go through all of the other paperwork filings for, um, you know, right. And municipal government. The religious, the officiant can sign the marriage license, and then I mean, your your religious ceremony can count as the civil ceremony as well. Mm-hmm. But you do have to do all this paperwork, yeah. which presumably they did not. Yes. Do because that would be too realistic for the movie, considering. Um, this was Bram Stoker's Dracula. Right. Why would they have to file actual yeah. paperwork? With I don't. Yeah, I don't remember chapters on the paperwork of like signing marriage certificates or anything like that. No. Yeah. Um, but well, good for Winona Ryder. She made a real comeback since yeah. the shoplifting incident. So. The trailer for that movie looks terrible. I mean, is it Destination Wedding? Is this like his? Uh, what the hell was the movie he was in with Sandra Bullock? The Lake House, where they oh, were like leaving each yeah, other letters from different times. Notes in the time. magic t- mailbox. Yes. Yeah. That house, I love that house, though. It's Was that glass house with a tree growing through the middle of it? I think so. That's amazing. I would watch Keanu Reeves do basically anything, so. Um, <laughs> More including ex- be sad and eating ice cream on a bench. Is that what he was doing? Yeah. 
ice cream or a sandwich? I can't remember. He was eating something. He was eating on the bench. Okay. It was probably a sandwich. Yeah, I yeah. Well, John Wick three is coming out, so I'd rather see that than Destination Wedding. Really, I did not realize there was a John Wick three. Oh yeah, the um, John Wick franchise is gonna live forever, like the Fast and Furious one. I definitely judge people who say that. Um, so, spoiler alert: if you've not seen the first John Wick movie, stop listening for maybe a minute. Um, but there are people who say that you know going on a murderous rampage after someone murders your dog is not reasonable, and I say to those people, or no. I don't need to be your friend. Get out of my life. Because I think he reacted 100% reasonably. Well, yes, he did. And, like, the dog had a bunch of symbolic meaning to him because of... They killed his wife all over again. Yeah, exactly. So this is not just... It was... I mean, yes, it's understandable you go on a murder rampage after your dog dies. But, like, it's doubly understandable if your dog is fraught with emotional symbolism and attachment. Um, so, spoiler uh, spoiler alert over, if you can tune back in. Um, so, that's all I had for three-minute warning was, were my two stories. All right, and for the reality TV stoop, oh, Countess Luann, De La Seps, except she's not really a Countess anymore because she got married to somebody else um, who sadly was not heir to the D'Agostino's uh, grocery fortune. Uh, so, Countess Luann. But she wasn't a Countess because she was married to the grocery store. No, she was a Countess because she was married to Count, Count Alexander okay. de Lesseps. Got it. Um, so, they got divorced shortly, I don't know, probably two or three seasons into The Real Housewives <laughs> of New York. Um, and then she married Tom for five minutes, and um, then they got divorced. And as we've discussed previously, so we have a couple updates on Countess Luann. First, she reached a plea deal in her um, uh, drunken, disorderly attacking police officers case down in Palm Beach. She uh, will avoid jail time. Of course. She pled or pleaded guilty to three charges, battery, trespassing, and disorderly intoxication. Um, she's placed on one-year probation and is required to pay all fines and court costs, perform 50 hours of community service, attend two AA meetings per week, not possess or consume alcohol or illegal drugs, and attend a victim impact class organized by Mothers Against Drunk Driving. I will just note, not that that's not all very valuable, but she was not accused of drunk driving. She was drunk at the time. She was drunk and walked into, so on the TV show, Real Housewives of New York, she explained she was trying to take some man who she met, because she's in her mid-50s and just hooking up with random dudes at a New Year's Eve party, but whatever, I don't say that with judgment, I sort of do. Uh, (laughs) She took this guy into a hotel room that she thought was hers, not her hotel room, the people who actually were staying in that hotel room showed up. I don't remember. How did she get in? Did she get in there? Very unclear. Okay. Um, so the people whose room it really was showed up and were like, get out of here. And that was how the whole fight kicked off. Um, and then she was arrested. Cops, she threatened to kill the police and all of their families. She then somehow like wiggled out of her handcuffs. Yes. Which you can see in the night vision video. <laughs> like Houdini or something. I don't understand. And um, I, she was accused, although I don't know that you, I don't remember seeing it on the video of like actually assaulting one of the police officers. Um, she did not plead guilty to that. Um, but she wasn't, she was not charged with, she wasn't driving at the time. So it's interesting to me about the victim impact Being class drunk for driving. drunk driving. Yeah. Since it didn't seem to be covered by her, uh, her alleged well no what she's pled guilty to or even what she was charged with um so anyway that's sort of step one of the countess luann so that piece of her excuse me that piece of her story seems to be concluded assuming she does everything she's supposed to do on her year of probation Mm -hmm. however 
she was um very sadly she relapsed in her alcoholism alcohol treatment went to rehab for three weeks which doesn't seem like a very long time not that I know anything about going to rehab, but it doesn't seem like long enough to get yourself clean again. She missed the Real Houses of New York um, reunion filming. Again, very disappointing. And she says that her relapse was caused because she was sued by her ex-husband and her two kids for like misappropriation of funds um, stemming from her divorce from the Count. So oh. her two kids are the children of the Count. Mm-hmm. And she, as part of their divorce settlement, she got, um, I guess, their house out in the Hamptons. And the agreement was if she ever sold that house, then she was supposed to put the money into a trust for the kids. For the kids, okay. She tried to sell the house. She sold the house. The story is a little confusing because she's now saying that because she loves her children so much, she didn't sell the house. Which makes no sense because the lawsuit alleges that she sold the house and then took the proceeds to buy herself a new house and didn't put the money in the trust for her kids like she was supposed to. Oh. Uh, Yeah, I would assume that, like, being able to determine whether someone sold a house or not is pretty easy. I would think so. So she she was interviewed by Megyn Kelly who I find to be loathsome, so I didn't actually watch the interview, though I do love the Countess. Um, And she explained that she, you know, had wanted to move to upstate New York. She wanted to sell that so that she could buy the house in upstate New York. Her kids were angry because the house in the Hamptons was their home. Um, She was looking for more privacy. And um, then her ex-husband came to visit and found out about all this and decided to block her ability to sell the house and sued her. And then she says, it sounds so much like Trump. And I'm so nice. I let him stay at my house because we have a great relationship. And we still do. Even though we fucking sued you, lady. Really? (laughs) Um, I mean, I understand why he did it because I was really going big up there upstate with a really big property. Since then, I've decided to take something smaller and keep my home for the children because I love them. Um, she found out about the lawsuit in the press and she fell off the wagon the night that she read about it at Bungalow 8, which sounds like a, that's something straight out of Sex and the City, which happened 20 years ago. So Luann really needs to get her life together. Um, so yeah, she's apparently at least 30 days, she was 30 days sober at the time of this interview. She is going to AA meetings. Um, and has determined she just can't drink socially. She's not like other people. She can't just have one glass of wine and be fine. Um, yes, it sounds like she has a problem. It seems completely insane to me that her children would sue her. Like, that's a... Uh... Are they minor children? No, they're like in oh, their really? 20s. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah. So I don't know what happened, that the dad got them to get on board with the lawsuit or what, but it just seems like inherited wealth I have a lot of challenges with anyway so that could be guiding my reaction to this but I guess so I think the reporting on the lawsuit may have been a little bit faulty because they did make it sound like she sold the sold house, the house yeah. um, and it sounds like she didn't huh well then that would be easily demurred to right the complaint yeah or whatever they do in the state yeah. of New York yes we demur in California whatever you do in New York um, huh so anyway, that's where Countess Luann is. Hopefully, I've not read that the lawsuit's been dismissed. Um, 
I guess she must have enough money on her own to have purchased some kind of smaller property in upstate New York without having to sell the house in the Hamptons, which I've seen on the TV show. It's quite nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, her kids, I'll just say this. They, her daughter is an artist. I don't know what her son does. I'm not sure I feel about their dilettante lifestyle continuing to be funded by their father's wealth, but anyway. Well, but I mean, if you, if part of the agreement in the divorce is that if you do X, the money, the proceeds from this go into a trust for them, it's like whether or not you are, you feel that they have earned that money or they haven't earned that money, if you breach the agreement, then I can. Then you breach the agreement. Yeah. Um, Huh. All right. Final lawsuit against your mom, though. That's rough. I know. That is rough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's it's just one of those things where it's like, you couldn't have talked about this before yeah, before filing a lawsuit? Yeah. Now, in fairness, Luann is, I mean, I only know her from the show, to be clear. I talk about her like she's a person <laughs> who exists in my real life. That is not true. Um, and you know the difference. <laughs> right. Yes. She does seem a bit self-absorbed, so I could see where maybe having a conversation with her and trying to talk through these things might not go very far, mm. um, but, you know, hopefully they tried and felt like they were pushed to this and filing yeah. off. Suing their mom was not their initial reaction. reaction. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. All right. Nice reality TV stoop. Yeah. So, uh, we'll keep... It sounds like Luann's got her life together, but... It could all go sideways so quickly. And these women are just a mess. Oh, actually, <laughs> speaking of which, sorry, we almost wrapped up the reality TV stoop without closing another sad story related to the Real Housewives of New York. Bethany Frankel. Where were you when this happened? Because I had so many questions for you, but I'm like, you must have been busy or something. Because I'm like, I don't... Didn't it happen last weekend? I thought it was like a couple was of weekends. two weeks ago. Yeah. I don't know what I was doing. I had so many... I was just like, I don't understand what's going on. It's so much. So, happening. Bethany Frankel... A little bit of a complicated story. Um, I think we've discussed her, the breakdown of her marriage to Jason Hoppy. They're officially divorced. They're still working through their child custody issues. They have one daughter, who I think is seven now, Bryn. Uh, Bethany, as a single lady, had started dating a man by the name of Dennis Shields. Kind of odd. He was married to a friend of hers from high school who she lost touch with the wife, but stayed friends with him for like 28 years. His marriage was falling apart. The two of them start dating. Dennis Shields, fun fact, lived in Trump Tower and was the only person. He got a text message mm-hmm. from Michael Cohen. Yes, but the building the is on fire. The Michael Cohen. <laughs> the building was on fire. fire. Get the hell out of there. Yes. Apparently, uh, the rest of the tenants did not have this no. sort of information system and one of them died. Um, so Dennis Shields is Bethany Frankel's on-again, off-again boyfriend. He, a couple weeks ago, um, was found dead of a um, suspected prescription drug overdose. Um, unclear, I think he may have had, the stories I've read, he, might, he had some kind of injury that he was taking painkillers for. Mm-hmm. Um, he took too many. He tried to get his assistant to give him Narcan, which leads me to believe that this wasn't just like a one-off. Yes. I'm popping some pain pills to mm-hmm. deal with like an acute injury. Um, but apparently, he uh, lost consciousness before the Narcan kicked in and died. Very sad. 
Bethany's shithead ex-husband, Jason Hoppy, oh. is now trying to use this against her in their custody oh, fight, yeah. saying, like, she's an irresponsible, terrible mother. Yes, she allows Bryn to be around, like, essentially right. people who are drug addicts, blah, blah, blah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, like, he's a fucking psychopath who stalks her at a school, so maybe he shouldn't be throwing stones. Um, but, anyway, that's the very unfortunate story of Dennis Shields passing and how this is now reflecting on Bethany's custody fight with her crappy ex-husband who like has not I don't know that he's had a real job since they got married um and just seems to be trying to suck the life out of her now she is a abhorrent character <laughs> in her own right but like this is this is terrible and sad and it just seems like very opportunistic and there's no there's no real indication based on the um, articles I have read about um, the court case that, like, Dennis Shields was left alone with Bryn for long periods oh, of time mm-hmm. or that he was like, using have... drugs in front of her. So the basis for this is pretty attenuated. Um, I do understand I'm not a uh, child custody law expert, but um, I do understand from, again, the research I've done, that this probably won't have significant bearing on the custody um, issues, but something the judge will take into consideration. Although this particular judge, I guess, reacted pretty negatively to um, Hoppy and his attorneys bringing this up and kind of had the same reaction that I am, that, like, this seems awfully opportunistic and Mm -hmm. you seem to be making a mountain out of a molehill. Yes. So. Wouldn't you bring up the fact that, like, he was friends with Michael Cohen before the whole, like, he was addicted to prescription drugs? Right? Like, he's a distasteful character. Yeah. (laughs) If you want to go after someone's character, like, there's other places to start, I'm assuming. But Uh, maybe that's why I had all those questions, because I couldn't figure out how the fire was related to his death. Right. Right, because I thought, like, did he die in the fire? Did he... Was he, he lived he... in Trump Tower still. Ugh. But, d- yeah, so, like, did he get sick? Yeah, so I think those are my questions, and I could have just read the articles, but I leave all the reality TV articles to you. And I think the, the reason, I believe, Michael Cohen and Dennis Shields were um, friends from, like, high school or college, oh. and that's uh, how they knew each other, so... Um, also, he and his wife were not actually divorced. Did I say they were divorced? They were not divorced at the time. I think of you his said death. their marriage was falling apart. Yes. Yeah. And his wife said that he was the love of her life, and you know they were like soulmates, and would you know she would miss him forever, which makes me question whether the marriage was falling apart before Bethany got involved. That's but that's not really a legal issue. That's no. just some <laughs> salacious gossip. How long had they been dating off and on? Uh, since twenty sixteen. Oh, okay. So a while. Um, but the reports that in the kinder news reports, it's that they had an unconventional relationship, um, in less kind reports, there was some indication that Dennis had a lot of shit going on in his life and she sort of didn't want to get involved. Oh, um, so. I'm trying to bite my hand. Sorry. Our mascot's trying to bite my hand. Yeah. I'm not really sure why. And now it's breathing very heavily. So maybe this is a good yeah. note to end on, uh, you know, the reality TV stoop and all the... All the shenanigans happening in New York. Um, Yeah, well, thanks for listening. Um, And I hope that we will be back on a more regular basis now that the summer's kind of over. Although I think our September is pretty busy. So we'll Uh see how that works. But we'll try. Maybe someday we'll learn how to record remotely and we're not in the same location. I actually uh, could probably do that. I think I just need to be in the office to do that. Probably, but yeah, I think it can be done. My $60 headset that I've used twice. So yes. We can see if that would help us. Um, so yeah, we'll um, be back with you as always. 
I'm going to commit to being better at posting on these things. You can check out our Instagram or Twitter feeds at UFR underscore BG. Um, you can also check out our website under further review um, dash BG.com. And you can always email us your thoughts, comments, and questions if you'd like for us to discuss anything at underfurtherreview.bg at gmail.com. So thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye.